Yo, what is up, Bridge Hunter Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Voss Talks. On this week, we talk about the Hellgate 100K, Desert Solstice, and of course, we take live callers from you, the viewers. Sit back and relax. Yo, what's crackalackin', Ridge Hunter Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Voss Talks, a live show that allows the viewer to call into the show. We heard the feedback, so we thought, hey, why not give this another goal, another go at this uh, Voss Talks thing? The whole Ridge Hunters crew is taking part in this, uh, taking part in this one. Nick Voss, man, how's it going? And what are you drinking? Doing good, man. Just uh, weathering the uh, snow that we've had here in Denver for. For about a week now and uh in in light of the snow i've got a classic favorite of mine jackio's oil of aphrodite a nice uh nice heavy stout look at you look at you you can get that up there in denver hey it's uh it's actually a 2018 i've just had it on the shelf for a while so yeah cam what about you what are you drinking so um i also have a jackio's once again, a who cooks for you? Can you guys tell that the one six pack I've uh, the one six pack I've bought over the last month is almost finally gone? Yeah, it's it's been your go to, and uh, I'm basically been on the same wavelength as that. But I've been like just mixing up which order I drink them in throughout these shows. So I'm back with the Ryan Guys Truth IPA. Uh, Cincinnati beer for me. Uh, JD3 is joining us again. No one will see him or hear him, but obviously we can hear him producing this show. Uh, John, what's your beverage tonight? Yeah, that sounds like a pretty good one, John. Thanks for uh, doing all the stuff behind the scenes. Uh, if you want to be one of our live callers on tonight's Voss Talks, sheesh, man. I've practiced saying that. Have you guys done that yet? How to say like Voss Talks like a thousand times? And like, like Nick, have you done this? I don't think I've said it once. So I don't think I'm going to. <laughs> it's it's a tongue twister every single time i do it like practicing it's like totally good but then you say it like live and like it's like you can't say it but uh yeah just text that number above if you want to get in the show and we'll get you in the queue uh i want to start off this show by talking about the hellgate 100k that took place this past weekend in fincastle virginia the ridge runners decided to sign michael owen to a two-day contract to help provide live race updates kind of like the i run i run far style um Michael and I had a great time down there at the event this year. Uh, obviously, you guys were following along, but I just want to start off by getting your guys' initial thoughts about the race this year. <clears throat> Don't all jump at once. <laughs> Go for it, Nick. All right. So, uh, yeah, Hellgate. Um, December race, starting at midnight. Usually, uh, Usually a pretty nasty weather one, but... I guess from what I, what I hear and what I see from, from you, Wesley, uh, weather was pretty nice. Um, which, you know, the results showed. So got a couple, couple course records there, which are huge. Um, I don't, I, I don't know a ton about Michael DeBova, but I know he's, he's done a lot of those, uh, those Horton races and those races in Virginia. And he's always up there, you know, in the top five. Um, I think, I think Travis said he was running, running out front for a little while last year as well during the, uh, the kind of polar opposite style race with a uh, torrential freezing cold rain, uh, last year. But yeah, it seems like, uh, seems like a lot of people had really good days. Um, big race, uh, 66 miles. And how many, how much vert is there Wes? 
You know, that's actually the one thing I don't know uh, about that race. My guess is like 13,000 if I had to throw it yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's, that's, it's big. It's big. And knowing those, knowing that terrain down there in Virginia and the rocky climbs, it's tough. It's tough. So kudos to, uh, to everyone who went out there and kind of probably smashed a lot of their own expectations. Yeah. I'm excited to kind of, uh, see everyone else's like, I mean, people, hopefully we got some people calling in tonight from the Hellgate 100 K and we'd love to kind of hear your thoughts about this, but I'm, I'm super curious to hear a couple things. First off, like, do you, does experience help with this race? You know what I mean? Like obviously a 1201 start is super unique to ultra running. Um, you know, does having that experience maybe one or two times already help and just looking at the results, you kind of get that that's the trend, but I kind of obviously love to hear people's thoughts. So, uh, Colin, if you have those, thoughts cam what was your initial thoughts on the race this year um well mostly at first i was annoyed by uh michael owen's insistence that i quit my job to go down to hellgate this weekend to help cover things um he is very confident that my student loans will be forgiven and i'm glad that he is um but with that said um just sort of following along as you guys were like live tweeting it um seeing that the eventual women's winner and new course record holder came back from down 23 minutes. I believe it was at like 43 miles um, into the race is just sort of like truly amazing. Um, I'm always one to like root for the underdog and to see kind of like a comeback performance like that uh, just had me like so stoked. And it definitely reminded me a little bit today, right. That like, it's very easy, um, especially on like training runs to just sort of like let off the gas towards the end, you know, and just be like, well, the car is close. I'll just walk there, you know, and to really sort of like not practice, like, no, this is supposed to get harder as I do it. And I don't have to slow down this much. Yeah, no, I, I, excuse me. I took that approach, uh, during our run today, Cam, I totally took the foot off the gas and my last two miles solo were down to the slowest two miles myself. But uh, yeah, Leah Yangling, uh, new course record holder on the women's side, 1207-27, uh, beating Amy Sprolstrand's 2011 course record, uh, which was 12-23-30. Uh, yeah, like Cam said, huge charge in the final 20 miles. And the one thing that I was kind of curious about, you know, we were kind of on the finish line because we were at uh, – uh, mile 42.5 and then we, we went straight to the finish so we couldn't really see the developing kind of charge that was taking place but we got to the finish line and kind of was hearing out on the course like what was happening it was like oh whoa like what happened to rachel spaulding and like there were a lot of questions asking around the camp area and david horton just had an awesome quote he was just like you know sometimes it's not about like what happened to rachel or what happened to the other runner sometimes it's about like the other runner kind of just taking control of a situation just charging super hard and so i thought that was like a really just neat mindset shift because i think rachel still had an unbelievable performance uh she would have beat the she just missed beating the previous course record uh by 21 seconds she came up just short there but uh yeah it was it was cool to see a lot of ohio women uh out there as well amanda de bevec took ninth overall 1440 uh we saw jennifer russo out there 10th woman uh 1501 and then nettie zapatella 1722 uh and i believe that was her fifth hellgate finish and uh she might be the first woman in in Ohio to have five Hellgate finishes. So uh, super proud of all of them. And uh, just a kind of an awesome day. Uh, do you guys have aspirations of running that race one day? Yeah. I'd um, love to run that race. Yeah. And, and first of all, go, let's go back to, uh, to Leah's run too. I can't wait to hear from her 
you know, on, on what went down and kind of what her mindset was. Um, so looking forward to that, that episode this week that you guys are going to, going to handle. Um, but that's, that's, that's just awesome. I mean, just crazy, crazy composure on her end, um, to kind of, cause it, it just looked like it, right? Like she was, I think the number one female seed from, from Horton or whoever, whoever officially makes those seeds pre-race. And it just looked like she was so steady back there and you, you kind of just were waiting to see if something was going to happen, something was going to shake up and really cool. Uh, can't wait to hear about that. Um, but yeah, Hellgate, Hellgate's a, it's a classic down there. Uh, what do they say? It's a, it's a special race. So, uh, can't, you, you gotta, you gotta want to go after a race like that. And, you know, hopefully, you know, knock on wood, Horton will be directing that race for, for many more years to come. Yeah. Cam, what about you? Yeah, I would definitely say that it's kind of, it's definitely on the list, but I feel like a race like that, that just has so much history and it's got such a unique course. Uh, you really like with the December timeframe, it, it kind of makes me want to just try to tack it on to the end of like a race season and be like, Oh, well I'll still be fit. But I, I think a race like that deserves better. It deserves sort of like its own like training block to go into it and really try to see like what your best performance on that course could be. Um, so just given where I'm at right now as an ultra runner, like definitely not planning on like the next probably three years, but yeah. well, we've all, we've all got to be honest too, right? Like yeah. you have to, you have to apply and Orton's got to let you in too. So I know that would be a fat no for me right now. So you gotta, <laughs> you guys gotta prove yourself a little more. You guys both need a hundred mile finish at least to get in. So we'll be uh, pulling a few. I don't know if that's a criteria, but <laughs> it, I mean, it, at, it least, would help. at least it would some help. hard stuff. Yeah. Yeah. For mm -hmm. sure. So let's actually just stop talking about like what, uh, if we were going to run the race and we actually have our first caller from someone who ran the race uh, right now, who is joining us? on the line and where are you from hey this is eric anderson from apex north carolina hey man how's it going good wesley man how are you doing well congrats on your race this weekend uh how did things kind of play out for you out there uh it it turned out to be pretty good i mean i think you guys already touched on a little bit the weather was pretty much perfect this year um, maybe a tad hot for me on Saturday um, afternoon, but the course was in great shape. And uh, I kind of went into the race a little bit under train from where I would have liked to be, but ended up finishing, you know, right along with my other two previous finishes, pretty similar time. So it was, it was a fun time. I was glad to be racing again. No doubt. Do you think that other experiences that you have kind of had at that race kind of helped you kind of had success again this year, even though you're might not have been as trained up for it, but mentally you kind of knew what to prepare for going into the race this year. Oh yeah, definitely. A thousand percent. I mean, you see, you see that in the top 10. I mean, you see Jordan Chang, and Michael and John Anderson and Chris Roberts. I mean, those guys are there every year. I think it, it helps because you know what to expect, especially with the midnight start and uh, Horton throwing you the pre-race meeting time at like eight o'clock. So you can't really get a lot of sleep between the end of that and the start of the race. So I think it helped me prepare a lot and try and get a lot more sleep during the week leading up. And that probably the rest that I got during the week probably counteracted my lack of training. 
Yeah, no, that's great to hear, man. Uh, what's fun? What was the one thing? Like, what is one thing about Hellgate that uh, is kind of your favorite thing about the race? What's the one thing that kind of sticks out? What makes it so special compared to other races? Um, I mean, a couple things. I think one, the co- the course is awesome. It it's really cool. I mean, you guys have run. I know Nick has run Promised Land. It's pretty similar, where you have a good mix of fire road and then technical downhills and you know some fast flowy single track so i think once you get through one section then you get another section so it's a, it's a really good mix i think there's no like awful sections i would say that you kind of dread so that part's awesome and then just the community of it you know we've got five guys that have done it 18 years i think and you know people just keep on coming back to this race. So it's kind of like a reunion every year and really cool atmosphere with the pre-race dinner and how all that goes. Um, obviously this year with COVID, it was a lot different. Yeah. Eric, no, I, what is it they call those guys? The, the fearsome five, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think actually, I'm not, I'm not sure how it panned out, but I think maybe at least one of them didn't even start this year. So, but yeah, there's, I mean, just think about that. I mean, 66 mile race with all kinds of weather and they finished every year and it's 18 hour cutoff. So it's not like, I mean, you can't walk too much. It's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone that kind of does the race, I mean, on average, like, I mean, the finishing rate at that race is crazy. Like, I feel like. Oh yeah. I think it was, it was 90% last year. And then I was looking today and I think it it was pretty close to 90% again this year. So I think people are a little scared to quit because Horton will give them a hard time. I think that's all it takes. You know, I, I, when I dropped from grindstone, I wish uh, Horton was at that uh, aid station. I know he was probably a couple miles back the other one, but uh, yeah, having him there and kind of just the whole atmosphere and, you know, you do kind of have to prove yourself and maybe you have a bad race there one year, you know, you're just trying to get the learning curve out of the way you come back next year and you kind of blow it out of the water. So that's been kind of exciting to see for all these uh, Hellgate runners. Yeah. And I think you guys, I mean, you can see, obviously this was the fastest Hellgate in history, right? I think, you know, the course being really fast and the weather being nice helped. But I think, you know, a lot of these guys coming in really fresh from not having fall 100s, like kind of where Cam was saying, you know, this became an A race this year, which I think a lot of times it's kind of people do grindstone and then maybe mountain masochists and then just do Hellgate at the end of the year where this year I think it was a focus and you see that from the, especially the women finishers too. I mean, to see eight women in the top 30 under or at the 14 hour mark is pretty crazy. Yeah. That race was super exciting to follow along. I think this was the first year that there were multiple finishers under the uh, 13 hour time cutoff as well. Um, I know when the course record was set back in uh, 2011, I know there's another, there were two fast people that year as well, uh, like Leah and Rachel were this year, but um, yeah, kind of, kind of interesting sign of seeing uh, all of the fast times. Do you think like, uh, would you prefer it to be that like that one more time or do you kind of go back to the traditional Hellgate, you know, the challenging weather and just everything that kind of makes it uh, happen? I mean, you just deal with it, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I kind of, I mean, I want, I haven't been, 
you know, the first year I did it, it was cold, but it was nice. And then last year it was just rainy and horrible, but you know, you felt better about just finishing, I think. Whereas this year, I think people were a lot more focused on getting a, a quality time. So, I mean, for me, I was just knowing that I wasn't really trained up. I was happy to, you know, finish one a solid time and run it in at the end. For sure, man. Uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about? It's been awesome kind of hearing from you and we're super pumped you're able to get out there again. And uh, hopefully next year I'm able to uh, toe the line with you and uh, we'll be battling for sure. Yeah, um, I think you need to do it for sure. Um, you got a year to plan. So uh, I think chances are pretty good it's going to happen. So um, it was good to see Cam and you got you get a good run in today. Seems like his uh, injury is in the past now. Yeah, do you have any thoughts on that, Cam? Yeah, it was definitely um, <clears throat> it was definitely a really big confidence-firing day for me uh, to get out there and to feel as good as I felt, especially towards the end of that run. It was just like, okay, you're not as far behind as you think you are, you know, especially with only essentially only like three more months to train for uh, the Backyard Ultra. Um, the race I was training for when I ended up like originally getting this foot injury you know, it was, it was really nice to see. It's been nice to also like hear from everybody. It seems like everybody's also pretty stoked. I'm going to stop being uh, so depressing on Strava. Well, it's it's nice to see somebody, you know, injured, actually take time off, maybe ride a bike a little and not push through and then come mm -hmm. out the other side and seem like they haven't really lost, lost much. So that's always good to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I can't like, especially earlier on, right? Like biking was just uh, such an outlet for me, you know? So I would definitely recommend like, if you can like sort of cross train around an injury, find something that sort of like fills that same space. Awesome. Uh, thank you so much, Eric, for uh, joining us on the, on the line tonight. It was awesome kind of hearing from you and, uh, feel free to give us a call uh, in the future Voss talks. Awesome. We'll do. Appreciate you guys. Yep. Thanks so much, Eric. Take care. Bye. Always awesome hearing from uh, Eric Anderson. He was on Ridge Runners Live. I've realized that every single time I tell people like what episode they're on, I'm always off by one and it kind of frustrates me, but it was either nine or 10. Gabe and Michael was one of those. And then uh, Eric Anderson and Bobby Harrington were the other one. I think, I think it's 10 but I'll probably be wrong. But uh, yeah, would you guys, any outstanding thoughts on uh, Eric's opinions there, or just kind of how his race played out? Yeah, super good for him. Sounds like, mm -hmm. uh, sounds like he had a decent day. Um, yeah, I don't know. Was, was that his first, was that his first Hellgate or no? Third. Third, third. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, it's great for him. So keep on at it, Eric. No doubt. We actually do have someone else on the line right now. We were going to be getting them in a second here, but uh, yeah, it's going to be awesome kind of having another person joining us on the line. Who do we have uh, joining us momentarily? Oh, there they are. Uh, who do we have on the line right now and where you're from? Hey, this is uh, Richard Floyd. I am from uh, Mooresville, North Carolina, right outside of Charlotte. Richard, how's it going, man? Great. Great. Um, Recovering nicely, so that that's a good thing. 
you had an awesome Hellgate uh, performance this this uh, past weekend. Uh, kind of talk about your race and kind of how things played out for you out there. Yeah, so uh, appreciate that, Wesley. Um, you know, it was an interesting year for me. Um, this was my second year doing it, so I only had last year to, to benchmark against. Um, and, and it, I guess I just must like adversity a little bit more than more than most. I had a much better year last year than I did this year. Um, this year, you know, it's a it's such a challenging course, and you know, a goal for me in these races is always. I like to kind of ease my way into things and, and just let the day unfold. And, you know, early on started to have a little bit of, you know, tightness in my hamstring, but, you know, wasn't going to let that get me down. Um, fluids and, and, and food wasn't going down particularly well. I swear um, last year I had a lot of stomach issues, but this year it's just, it's something about that 12 o'clock start. You're not used to running and it's, you know, not used to uh, how your body processes food. And so for me, that, that time also gave me a little bit of issues, but, you know, I, I wasn't going to let that, um, you know, cause any problems, you know, mentally I was just trying to stay locked in and just um, stick to the game plan. And I, and I thought I did a good job of staying patient and, you know, went through the first couple of climbs, really wasn't pressing, um, you know, feeling good. And, um, you know, I ran all through the night, um, it, as much as I was kind of having a problem getting calories in, I, I'd find a way to overcome it and, and still feel really good. And then by the time I got to, um, around little cove mountain, which is around mile 37, I think, um, I started to, um, you know, I remember last year is, I, I caught up with a buddy last year at that, that spot. And then shortly after he left me in the dust and I, and, um, and I had a kind of struggle through it, but got got my momentum back a little bit later on. So I remember distinctly feeling that I wanted to feel better. So as I got through the Little Cove Mountain section, um, I think that's like a net downhill section, and I felt really, really good. Um, and I was just flowing right on through. And I think at one point I might have ran through a, a switchback and dove into a tree head first, but, um, but got myself up from that and kept going and pressed. And I, and I felt like at that point I was probably pressing a little bit too much. Like I felt like I got, I was off to a little bit slow start and I started to feel really, really good. And I just blazed through that section. And, and I think it came back and got me. Um, Cause I, I went through that section and I got through the next aid, st- aid station. Okay. But when I got to around mile 54, um, it was a, it was pretty much a death march in from that point. And, you know, I just did my best to, you know, keep putting one foot in front of the other, no matter how tough it was. Um, still got to finish any day at Hellgate, you get to finish. But, you know, the better weather I was expecting or, or really pushing for a little bit better day. But at the end of the day, it's a special race. Um, I had a blast out there. Uh, Wes, I thought it was really, really cool um, that you all, you all were out there covering the race the way you were. Um, sort of that I run for it. It seemed really cool. All the fun stuff that was happening, what was unfolding ahead. You know, I get to my aid station, I check on people that were ahead of me and they tell me a little bit about the race and it it was an exciting day and, uh, you know, always happy to be a part of something so special. We appreciate that praise as well. Uh, 
Richard, that's awesome. Uh, I, one thing I'm kind of curious about is wh- what is that boost like when the sun rises uh, at like 7 a.m. when the sun comes up? Like, is there a mental battle that you kind of face out there? Like, okay, the first couple hours are going to suck no matter what in that race. Do you just kind of get through, get to the morning and then you kind of make things happen at that point? Or what's that kind of process like for you when you get out there? Yeah, the, uh, the daylight absolutely helps. Um, for me, and, and I, you know, go back to last year again, last year for some, for whatever reason, I, I think probably I settled into people that were probably in a similar pace group. So I felt like I had some friends to run through the night with, and that was really enjoyable this time. It, it, I almost always, almost, you know, found myself all by myself the entire night. And that probably wears on you a little bit. And, but once that daylight comes, and you can, uh, you know, you can, you can drop the headlamp and, and you can see in front of you. It, it definitely is a big, is a big boost for, for me. Um, maybe a little bit too, too big of a boost is I think I hit the accelerator a little bit too soon. What's uh, one thing that you're going to do next year at the race that you kind of learned from this year? Uh, maybe it is the accelerator thing you mentioned, but uh, what's one thing you're going to kind of just do differently? Uh, you know, I've been, I've been, uh, thinking about that a lot the past couple of days and I, um, you know, I, I want to say that I'm not going to, you know, I'll let the race come to me a little bit more, but you know, you know, I'm all for shooting your shot and I'm all for, for really going for it when you have the opportunity. And I felt like I ran a, I felt like I ran a smart race. I felt like I went for it. Um, and you know, I, I honestly, when I, when I think back, um, I don't know how much differently, um, I would approach the race. I, I think it's just one of those things, you know, like not every day is cut out to be your day. I feel like that, that might've been what it was for me. Granted, I still, I still had a great time. Um, but I think, you know, the points that you all were making around, you know, this being your a race, I, I might shift more to towards that. It's kind of been a build up for me. So I ran, the Table Rock Ultras 50K, and then I rolled into Scotta Summit, and Scotta Summit was just four weeks ago. But I still felt like I kept the momentum and I kept building. Um, but I think that if I do anything else, maybe it's not as much racing leading up to it and, and trying to trying to figure out how to get some more vert in and training, you know, kind of being um, a relative flatlander when I can go to only go to the mountains, you know, maybe one, one weekend a month makes it a little bit, makes it a little bit tough. Um, so maybe a little bit more vert, vert training or, you know, just grinding it out on the treadmill is also an option. Yeah. And so if you say that, do you think um, for a long run, you would ever practice that midnight start as well leading up to this race? You know, me, uh, I, I run the guy, Jeremy Alsop, and he always has, you know, he's had pretty strong finishes there the past couple of years. And we kicked that idea around a couple of times. I just, I feel like for the time it would take me to, you know, one of the things that, that's weird for me is just the, the way I process food. By the time it would take for me to get to where that kind of thing would be challenging, it would be too long of a run. So I don't know that I would ever do the midnight run. I, al- I already run, you know, a lot of my runs at like 4.30 in the morning. So I'm out howling at the moon um, most of my training days anyways. So I don't know that I would go for that, but I think there's probably something to it. I, I definitely think if you would get out there and get used to running those 
those all times of the night, I think that could be a boost. Yeah, I did one training run one time uh, with Michael Owen as a community adventure a couple of years ago, and we started at midnight. Um, and yeah, it was just kind of a unique experience kind of being out there running all night and kind of just, we stopped obviously when the sun came up. So it's a little different than, uh, than Hellgate, but yeah, definitely kind of a cool, uh, cool little thing there. There is a question in the chat from Keegan Rathclamp. He asked, uh, do the Ridge Runners ever ask about training leading up to a race? Uh, what was your training like uh, leading up to this one? Sure. So um, for me, I, I basically um, do training um, almost like a marathon training plan. So I, I do um, I do a lot of strides at the end of my easy runs. Um, I, I'll typically do one solid workout a week. Um, I don't necessarily go to the track, but I do do um, minute intervals. Um, you know, I typically, um, and not, you know, without taper, I'll, I'll typically be around 70 miles a week, but most of it, like as I mentioned, is, is on flat land. Um, you know, I, I enjoy waking up super early, starting runs 4.45, 5 a.m., getting out there before most of the people we have a small group here in Mooresville race city running club. Um, we're, we're a small group and we get out there and, you know, we'll do our workouts and, and, uh, have a good time out there. Just, just, uh, just hanging out. So it's, you know, I, I feel like I've had really good training block this year. It's been a great year. I think I've logged over 2,700 miles. So the most for me by far. Um, and so it's been a great, great year. It's, it's so yeah, it was a good, it was a good training block. We cannot wait to see what you do in uh, 2021, Richard, after you continue taking these miles that you ran in 2020 and bring them to 2021 and uh, can you tr continue crushing the training and uh, the races that you're going to be uh, doing next year? Uh, do you have any final thoughts for Return Nation? Um, no, I appreciate it. I, I thought, you know, what you all did being out there, um, on the east, you know, on the east coast, giving a little I run far type coverage was absolutely awesome, and it's something that that we could see more of around here. Um, some really solid races on the east coast, and um, you know, appreciate what you all are doing. The one question, and this is just you know, you can kick it around later in the show, but just you know, for for people like me that are you know flatlanders that don't have the mountains to train on. You know, any any thoughts on, you know, ways to ways to overcome that outside of, you know, getting on the treadmill and just kind of grinding away or just it'd be good to hear others thoughts on things that you can do to prepare for mountain races when you when you don't have uh, the mountains in your backyard. But appreciate you guys having me on. Hope you have an awesome night. Definitely. Thanks so much, Richard. I really like that one thing he touched on where he was. uh when you asked like what you, what he would do different. And he, uh, I think his gut feeling from what, from what I understood from what he was saying is that no, right. Like sometimes you just got to go for it and you, nobody knows how you're going to perform or what you're capable of better than yourself. Right. Like you gotta, obviously some of us, all of us, I should say have uh, taken it out too hot or, you know, oversold what we're able to do. Um, but that's just what you learn, you know, going into the next one. So I really like, uh, I really like that, that attitude and, and, you know, for some people it might be okay to take it out really slow, 
finish smiling. But I think at the same time, you got to wonder, well, what, what if, what if I went a little faster? Could I have held on to it? So there's something to uh, be satisfied about knowing that you, you gave it a shot. So hopefully, uh, hopefully next year, Richard goes out there and just gives it the same, same good effort. And um, like he said, sometimes it's not your day and, and it can just line up for you next time. For sure. And what do you guys think about, uh, do you guys have any training tips, uh, about his getting vert in a non vert, uh, area? Like if you live in a city or whatnot, I mean, I definitely do, but I don't know if, um, here many other trail runners are going to like this answer. And it's, it's kind of the same answer I gave to Samuel Hartman, um, on our last show when he talked about like nasal breathing, which is just like, you know, what's going to make you like a better climber, just getting faster, you know? And I remember reading an article David Roach wrote about it for Trail Runner Magazine a while ago, where it's just like some people get so obsessed with seeing that elevation number that suddenly everyone becomes a very slow slog up giant hills and they lose like all of their leg speed and turnover and like any semblance of fast twitch that they have, you know, and with 99.9% of ultra runners, right, we've all still got like gains that can be made in terms of just like raw speed. So maybe I guess the advice is to focus less on like that vert number and, you know, go do like those one minute intervals, go do 400s, 800s, something like that. And just work on becoming generally fitter. And, you know, that fitness is going to translate to climbing. For sure. One thing for me is like when I was in Philadelphia, like I actually loved doing stair repeats, whether it was like a parking garage or like there was this one right off the bike path that had like, I think it was 35 feet of gain over, you know, three sets of stairs or whatever, probably a little more, maybe 50 feet. But I would do that for like an hour and a half, two hours. And, you know, it's just kind of a little different. I mean, obviously it's different running stairs, but uh, I always just kind of love doing that. Cause after you run stairs for a bunch and you kind of go back to like, whether running flatland, you feel like you're moving. And so I, I've, I had a pretty good Shawnee performance a couple of years ago and I did a couple of those workouts on stairs, but um, I think that really set me up this spring when I ended up doing more for like in May and June. But uh, that's kind of the one thing that I would do. Try running stairs in your hometown or whatnot. It's always kind of a, uh, kind of interesting there. Um, I want to transition a little bit. Uh, Hellgate obviously was awesome. We cannot wait to hear uh, Leah Yingling come on Richard's live at 9 p.m. Thursday evening and kind of give us her, give her uh, the race run down there. But I want to talk about another big race that happened over the weekend, the Desert Solstice race. Um, this was obviously pretty going to be pretty big time. There are a lot of huge names in this race. Um, I want to start off by just tossing it over to Nick Give me some of your initial thoughts about how this race played out. What were your kind of reactions to kind of seeing the numbers? And what was it like kind of following that race along as well? Yeah, Desert Solstice is kind of the the classic 24-hour uh, track race uh, out there in Phoenix. Um, it always ends the year with usually a really, a really solid field. Um, I would say this year was, was right there um, in terms of in competition with previous years. Um, really, really cool to see that they stream it, um, at different vantage points. And I know Jamil was on there giving a little bit of commentary as well. So I really like, uh, really like the, because it is a track race, you can kind of see the whole thing happening right there. Now, you know, it gets a little monotonous just seeing, uh, women and men running around and around this track. But one, one interesting thing they had this year is in the past, they, they switch at the 12 hour mark. 
So everybody's kind of just like thinking, all right, got to get to that 12 hours. I can switch directions, um, feel something a little different this year. They switched every four hours, which I thought was, was interesting. Um, but it's gotta be better for the runners. Um, it was really, uh, really cool to see people try and push, um, for some records. I, I don't think, uh, Zach Bitter didn't, didn't call out Giannis Chorus's record quite like, uh, like Killian did, but I, I know it certainly was in the back of his mind. Um, if not at least the American record, uh, which I think is is right around 172 miles or 173 miles somewhere in there, um, which is just so fast. Um, you know, just to be able to maintain that um, for so long. So it was really cool to watch. Uh, sometimes, you know, those those guys that go out there really hard, they have to kind of go towards B and C goals. Um, so they all have these, you know, maybe goal A is is try and finish with the American record. Goal B might be okay. Well, you know, set a PR or or qualify for the the world's team, and then goal C will be something else like an age group record or something like that. So, we did uh, did get to see some records. Uh, I know Olivier LeBlond set an age group record for the hundred mile um, in that twelve I think twelve forty five range there. So it's just blazing fast. Uh, even though it's a track, you gotta you gotta keep it moving. You know, you, you can't. Uh, can't slack off for even a second to be able to do that. So yeah, it was really cool to see. Um, saw some, uh, some women up there. I, I know that were, uh, uh, known for known for going far. Uh, I know Marissa, Marissa Lezak. She, she's, I, I want to say she's from maybe like Florida area or something down there. Um, or at least, at least she's put up some results, um, at some of those, those races, uh, down in Florida that were really good. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's it's really cool to be able to watch um, the whole race and and see that that commentary and kind of come back to it throughout the day. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's what that's what ultra running is all about. Like, as long as you can kind of tune into these big races and kind of have that outlet, to kind of like you know, go about your day like a regular human, and like you know, for twenty four hour races, you can just check in every couple hours and just kind of see how everything's playing out. I always think that's a uh, kind of neat when you got to get the opportunity to do that uh it says that Mar- uh, marissa's from california now so i'm assuming that she just likes those hot races whether they're in california or florida um it's kind of cool there but yeah the women's race was super close i mean between marissa marissa and uh whitney richmond who was the rims river 100 winner uh just only three miles separating the two there and uh apparently uh it looks like Marissa was leading for most of the day and uh, Whitney kind of slowly climbed the ladder on her and uh, kind of, it's always makes you wonder like, what if there was 25 hours? What if there was 26 hours? Like what would have happened with anything would have changed out on the course? Uh, Cam, do you have any thoughts about the race that kind of uh, transpired this past weekend? Um, yeah, I do have two main ones, which is one that there's a lot of ultra runners that it just, it doesn't seem like they like, for whatever reason, they just continue to fly under the radar, even with like super impressive results. And thinking about Desert Solstice, obviously Nick Corey is the name that comes to mind. Um, obviously, I believe he's Jamil's brother. Uh, so there's definitely a certain amount of talent just in that family, right? And he's had great races at Desert Solstice before. I believe he's finished in like the top 10 at Hard Rock, right? But this is a guy that nobody is ever just like, or at least nobody that I know is ever just like, yeah, I'm like such a huge Nick Corey fan. Like I'm just so stoked on everything he does, you know? 
And I think it was a really stout performance uh, by him to go out with a lot of other people who have like really strong name and recognition in the sport and just sort of like run his race and come away with a victory. For sure. For sure. Uh, we actually do have someone else that is in the queue right now. We are going to get them on the line here um, momentarily uh, once they join the thing here. Who do we have joining us on the line right now and where are you from? This is Harvey. Harvey Har- Lewis from, yes, you got, you got me here. <laughs> How's it going, man? C- congrats Good. on your race. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. How did things kind of so play out? How are you guys doing this evening? Oh, we're doing great. Super excited to kind of talk to you about uh, Desert Solstice here. How did things kind of play out for you? In Desert Solstice? Uh, well, not as uh, exactly the way I imagined it. <laughs> I'll say that. But, you know, well enough that uh, I'm, I'm grateful for the experience and, and satisfied that I survived. Uh, so it was definitely one of those, uh, reasons we, we pursue ultras, you know, we don't pursue ultras because they're easy. We pursue them because they're tough. And, uh, that, that, that race, uh, not per se because of any particular thing. Uh, it wasn't like, uh, you know, especially like, you know, grueling temperatures or, you know, the format isn't like, uh, you know, any different than any other 24 hour format. Just some days we, we experience like uh, more challenges than we anticipated. And it's just how we, we adapt to those challenges. And, you know, hopefully what we can take away for, for, for the sport or for the rest of life to, to teach us and move forward. So, uh, yeah, it was special to me because it was my 24th year doing a 24-hour race, which is kind of hard to believe. And uh, going back to, to connect with my younger self from 24 years ago, and think about how I looked at the race back in 1996 uh, compared to how I look at it today. And I kind of felt myself uh, kind of, you know, how we peel away those layers when you're running an ultra. And I kind of felt myself uh, get more connected to that younger self of mine and uh, like look at the race at times from that younger self point of view. And so it was definitely a neat experience. It sounds like it, man. And obviously you have just a crazy amount of experience. Uh, if you had like one piece of advice, maybe to tell your younger self back in those, back in the day, uh, what would it be to someone maybe going into their first 24 hour event that you would t- share with them? Oh, I, I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, did I have, I think we all have our own personal like uh, convictions and what drives us. Uh, but I, I would definitely say, uh, you know, ha- have fun. Uh, you know, like it, find a, the community. I think there's something special about the ultra running community. And I think that, uh, you know, it, to, to, uh, enjoy that, that, you know, getting connected with the, the community. And also, uh, if it doesn't go well, don't give up. <laughs> like if it's, if it's, if it's really hard, uh, you know, that, that's, um, uh, part of the experience and and uh why we do these ultras is of course to you know push uh what we feel is possible and for ourselves and um to to grow or experience enlightenment and so definitely uh to 
you know, have fun with it, not, not be too serious. Like, uh, I think it, the first one, especially you should, uh, just go, uh, and, and just your goal should be to have a good, good time, uh, you know, to have a, have fun with it and, uh, to, you know, um, just absorb the experience. Like I, I don't usually tell people to, to go too, too, uh, much for like a specific, you might have a general idea, but I wouldn't beat myself up if, if, uh, with something that, that might be too, too over the top. Yeah. Thank you for, uh, for the insights, Harvey. We have a chat question, uh, from Eric Anderson called into the show earlier tonight. He's still in the live chat. He wants to know, um, can we ask Harvey, uh, tips for staying healthy with all of the running and racing that he does? Uh, so what do you think, Harvey? Man, that is an excellent question. And, uh, that's one way I've learned a lot over the 24 years. So that's how I would would also connect back to my younger self, but, uh, there, I feel like, uh, there's sleep is very important. Uh, it's something that we oftentimes overlook in our society today. And especially as, as ultra runners, I know it's so difficult for people because they're trying to, you know, uh, you know, do work, like be, be strong with family and, and also want to like do ultra running. Um, but, uh, Sleep is something really. I feel like you know you can go a few days. Uh, you can go uh, have some you know days where you don't sleep very much or this and that. But across the whole year, I, I think that sleep is really pretty important for people. Uh, for the general mode, like 80, 90 percent of time, you should try to get good sleep because if you're not uh, getting good sleep, it's really hard to push your muscles and your mind and your spirit um, to where it can it can recover in a healthy way. Uh, the other thing I would say is definitely nutrition, uh, that, you know, every single, everything we do has an, is, has a, it has a reaction. So, you know, I definitely don't always eat like perfectly. And I, and I, I definitely, you know, have my, um, you know, Coca-Cola or, you know, other types of things I eat that, that are not the, the healthiest things. But by and large, you know, I do try to like eat, um, healthier foods. And I have found that like eating plant-based foods, uh, vegan foods helps me to recover much more rapidly. And Michael Wardian, he's another guy. I don't know anyone that runs more volume at, at a more elite, uh, measure than Michael Wardian. And he, he will tell you straight out that the reason he is able to run like a marathon at like a, 238 and then the next day go out and run a 50 mile race and, and win that race too is his diet like uh what he eats and by diet i don't mean like diet like it, this lifestyle like i eat a ton of food i don't think of it as like a, a diet but uh that's a big one uh also uh i could go on and on and on um, but another thing i'll share with you is is when i'm done with a race uh the next day uh, I, I believe in active recovery. So I'll either run a, you know, run a mile, but when I run a mile, I don't go run like an eight minute or nine minute mile. I run a slow mile and, uh, or it, I may even run to work, which is three miles. And, uh, when I'm doing that, it, it, as long as there's no body parts that are like really like injured, 
uh, it actually helps to loosen up the body. And you don't have to, you may be at a place where it's more appropriate to just walk for 20 minutes. But that walking for 15 to 20 minutes, even though you might think like psychologically and culturally we're, we're taught to like, oh, you should go lay on the couch or lay in bed. You know, you do need to lay in bed, <laughs> relax and rest yourself. But getting up and walking for 20 minutes is super powerful because it helps to uh, flush the muscles out. It helps to like reset. Um, and, and as long as you don't have an injury, uh, that is like super powerful for triggering your body's uh, healing powers and for you to be able to recover more rapidly. So uh, that, you know, I hear some people wait like, you know, a week or two before they run again. Um, and when I'm running the first week, I'm not going out and running necessarily like, you know, anything. I'm definitely not running fast. So I'm not running usually anything too far, but just very, very gentle and soft on the muscles. It's, it's, it, it can be good. Either the walking or the running it depends where you're at. Like, uh, I wouldn't recommend pushing it. So it might be better to walk, but, uh, those are some big things that will definitely help someone recover faster. Nick, yeah, that's I think awesome. You- that that's awesome, Harvey. Thanks for that. Uh, thanks for that advice. I want to go back real quick to to your Desert Solstice race. Um, I, you know, obviously, you know, it wasn't wasn't the result you were looking for, but I did read uh, after the race. You, you you mentioned something that kind of uh, stuck out to me, and I think a lot of a lot of people who are going for very specific goals when they don't when they know that those goals are out of reach they're really easy to drop out or to, or to save it for another day. But I noticed that you said something interesting. You said that sometimes you can overcome, you know, uh, kind of dying out there once, but that you kind of suffered five deaths out there, but you still kept going. What, what was your, what was your motivation and your reasoning to, to stay out there on the track and keep, keep logging lap after lap? Well, it was really tough. Honestly, uh, I, I, I don't, I, I think I kind of have an idea of what hit me initially. And that's a whole nother topic. Um, but, uh, like after about seven hours, uh, I felt really not, I felt bad, <laughs> you know? And, uh, so that's really early in a 24 hour race to feel rough. I've been running fast, faster than I've pretty much ever run for like the first segment of the race. Uh, I think I got behind on my de- or hydration. Um, and so I was really having a uh, struggle. Uh, and, but uh, I've kind of got it in my mind that I, I don't want to, to quit um, in any race, unless it's like something of an injury, like that, that's uh, you know, a serious injury, unless I have a serious injury, I don't want to quit at any race. I, I did it once before uh, t- 10 years ago at the Spartathlon uh, I was 116 miles in the race and I still had about probably 16 hours to go, or maybe it was 12 hours, um, to make it, I had 12 hours to make it, um, basically like 38 miles. Um, but my younger self, I, I didn't realize that, that I could pull myself out of that hole, you know? So I felt like, um, after having that experience at the Spartathlon where I didn't finish the race, since that point on, I've never not finished a race other than like a, um, one of our backyard ultras where, you know, I don't really count that the same as a DNF. Um, it's cause it's a different environment and, uh, there's only one finisher, 
Um, but yeah, I don't hold that against anyone else. Like for, for, um, you know, um, dropping out of the race and I, you know, I, I, not at all, but for me personally, I just, I don't want to, um, quit any races unless I physically have to. And so to keep motivated, I just had to, uh, try to like focus on that particular hour. I mean, thinking about the whole 24 hours ahead of you would just be, uh, dispiriting, especially when you're seven hours in the race and you feel like you're, you feel so like depleted that you could just lay there for 20 hours, you know? So, uh, I just had to focus on trying to problem solve one step at a time, try to like get my body back to hydration, try to figure out what is, you know, what was going on with me. And, uh, and then I, I, I just couldn't get into a very solid rhythm. Like I got it back together, but I went to, you know, I was going above what, what I needed to at that point, or, you know, I just hadn't recovered my body. So I, I kept on going through these ups and downs through that race. And, uh, to like the final three and a half hours when I finally got back in motion again, um, you know, I was able to go for or finish 130, 135 miles, which I just, you know, I was going all the whole race. I was giving my hundred percent effort. <laughs> like, and that's what I ended up with. You know, I didn't run the race with a great strategy. And I also, I kind of winked, <laughs> I winged it <laughs> in terms of like my hydration and some of the other things that could have been more planned on. Uh, and my goal going in the race was to double my original 24 hour race, um, distance, which my original distance was 82.25 miles. So I wanted to get 164.5 miles, which was, you know, it would have been three, three miles further than my longest in a, in a real aggressive, you know, distance, but I thought it was possible. Um, but, uh, you know, even after, you know, succumbing to like those challenges where one even left me in my suitcase because <laughs> there was nowhere to like lay down. So I literally laid in my suitcase for about four minutes. Uh, <laughs> it was right near the table. Uh, and I, you know, it, it's just one of those things that, that we do in ultras. We, we experience those really tough places and uh, hopefully we can learn from them and uh, use that to help us in life beyond ultras. Harvey, every single time you come on this show, you just provide insights that uh, are basically just unmatched. Obviously, your experiences and whatnot are just uh, absolutely incredible. And just the knowledge that you're able to drop on us is just uh, life-changing advice, honestly. So uh, we appreciate you joining us on the on the show tonight. And uh, we cannot wait to see what you accomplish next. You got Long Haul 100 next, I believe, right? Thanks, Leslie. I, I appreciate it. You know, yeah, I have it. Uh, it's a month away uh you know that's another one i was like i finished a 24 hour race and uh, i feel like pretty pretty beat up uh my my number one training partner my my dog rescue dog carly now we went out last night for the mile run <laughs> and tonight i'm still working on my ap lessons but we're gonna go out for our mile run about probably 10 o'clock tonight so uh, I'm, I'm definitely it's gonna take uh, a, a monumental effort to get ready for long haul I'm looking forward to it. And then uh, definitely the uh, Ohio Backyard Ultra, which I know you guys will, will have like some spirited uh, runners coming to from your, uh, your, your following. And uh, also, you know, 
shooting into 2021, some big, big events on the horizon there too. So I, I really appreciate the kind words. Thank you sincerely. Definitely. We'll definitely have to get you come on Voss Talks again after a long haul. You're always welcome on the show. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. And you guys have a great evening. Thanks so much, Harvey. Bye-bye. Harvey's what just a guy. What a guy. <laughs> yeah. Every time he just comes out, it's like, this is just absolutely incredible. Like I, there's always so much, like, obviously like when you're in the moment right now, like you, when you're in our position, I guess, like you lose a lot of it, but I cannot wait to go back tonight and just like listen to the whole show again and just be mesmerized by the whole thing. It's going to be uh, absolutely awesome. Um, yeah. Would you guys have any quick thoughts uh, about Harvey there and outside of just how incredible he is? I'm stoked to see how well he recovers at long haul. Uh, I'll be there pacing a friend uh, who's also a friend of Harvey's Max Cavazzi. And yeah, I, I'm stoked that he said that it's going to be like a difficult journey to get back. But I, I also like fully believe he's going to show up like probably in great shape and probably run super fast down there. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like there's, there's probably just no other circumstance that he just doesn't do super well at that race. So we're, we're excited to kind of see how he does down there. Uh, we do have another caller that's in the queue right now and we're going to get them on the line here. Um, who do we have joining us on the show right now and where are you from? Oh, hi. It's Whitney Richmond from Richmond, Virginia. Whitney, how's it going? Uh, pretty good. How are you guys? Doing well. How are you feeling after uh, your Desert Solstice performance? Um, I'm a little wrecked. <laughs> I have to admit, my legs are not as bad as after Rim to River, but my feet are awful. They look like swollen sausages. They're really pretty pathetic. How did the race kind of play out for you out there? Um, well, I had a really bad patch, um, like really early, like hour four or something. Um, I got really nauseous and lightheaded and that lasted for about two hours. And I thank goodness have like gotten through something like that before. So I kind of just like, I got to get through this. And then I had a really, and then it got really good for like six hours and then it got really windy and cold and um, you know, it's, it's like, it was just a roller coaster. It's like, you feel good. Then you go through a low and you feel good and you go, you know, it just kind of like goes up and down basically. Um, but in general, it worked out. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least, I mean, 139 miles is just absolutely incredible. Uh is like is the is twenty four hour distance a totally different beast compared to the one hundred mile race just outright? And which one do you kind of prefer yeah. at this point? Um, definitely a whole different beast. Um, yeah, I mean in the in the twenty four, you just you have to treat the hundred mile mark as just any other mile. Because if you focus on it, then you're it's like your mental. Once you cross that cross the twenty the sorry, once you cross the hundred mile mark, you might like mentally kind of give up a little bit. Um, so you really just have to like not even pay attention to the fact that you just went through a hundred miles. Um, which do I prefer? Well, that's a good question. I, you know, I just like them both so much, but the, the 24 hours is so much more of a mental, I mean, a hundred miles is obviously mental, but the 24 hours is, is like 80% mental, I would say. 
Is there anything that you kind of did leading up to the training leading between Rim to River and this performance that kind of really helped you kind of stay fresh? Or is it kind of just like using the fitness from the Rim to River effort uh, going into this? Yeah, no, I, I pretty much didn't. Um, I think the most mileage I ran in between was like maybe 65 during one week. But um, no, I didn't like get really up in mileage. I did run on the track a few times. I did like a 10 miler and a 15 miler, but that's the most that I did just to kind of refresh my memory. I've done this race twice before, so I'm familiar with the format. Um, and it's basically the complete opposite of Room to River, which was really funny that I'm going from, you know, so close in weeks as far as the type of race that I did. But going on the track and running a few miles on the track really kind of helps you get into the mental headspace of it. Um, but as far as physically, no, I didn't do anything really different. I definitely didn't run any hills after Rim River, though, that's for sure. Well, that just well, that wasn't needed. Obviously, there's not going to be a ton of hills out there on the uh, on the track, so that's that's no, awesome. none at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah. So one thing I want to kind of touch on real quick is um, for someone that's like wanting to kind of go into a 24 hour race, Harvey kind of mentioned this <laughs> earlier, but I'd love to kind of hear your thoughts on this as well is what is one piece of advice you give to someone going into their first 24 hour event? Um, one piece of advice. Um, it is like a puzzle and you have to have all the pieces fit together perfectly to have a really good race. And the likelihood of that happening is not high at all. Um, so you need to plan for things to go wrong and to be able to get through them is basically what I would say. Um, and you need to, you need to commit to being out there the entire time. So if you're not committed to being out there the entire time, pretty likely you won't, you will stop. What are some of those plans? You kind of mentioned it briefly, but what are some of those like backup plans or like recovery plans that like uh, would actually be super helpful? Um, like, for example, like if you're um, feeling like nauseous or lightheaded, like I was walk, you know, eat something, walk a lap or two, then try to run a little bit, maybe run and walk a little bit, but don't just stop completely. Um, try to co completely move, you know, constantly move forward in some some way even if you're walking you're still adding mileage on and then um <clears throat> i think with the like it's hard because you don't know like for example at this race um you talked to um harvey about the race yeah he was actually the previous guest before you tonight oh great awesome yes harvey i chased harvey in the last two laps actually <laughs> i was like he sped by me and i said i'm following him so i just went with him um so he, um, yeah, he has a lot of experience at the 24 hour race, obviously. Um, but I would say that you, you need to have like, know that remind yourself that you can get through a low patch and then get to, you know, a part where you're going to feel good again. I don't know if he mentioned that it got really windy and cold, um, around like 11 or 12 hours. And that lasted for a while. And, um, you know, that's something that I didn't even expect to happen so you have to be prepared so the weather changes and you need to be able to deal with that um so yeah you just have to be able to like it's just like in a hundred that you have to troubleshoot but you it, it's it's a really hard mental thing because 
your crew is there. You could stop anytime, especially after you've hit a hundred miles. Um, so you, you just really need to have a plan of complete commitment and dedication to getting out on the track or course, wherever you're running a 24 hour. Yeah, that's, I think that's really great insight, Whitney. And I've, um, I sort of caught on something you said when you first started talking about uh, how to run 24 hours on the track and that's, you have to treat a hundred like it's just any other mile and mm-hmm. thinking about like the backyard ultras that we really like to do and how many people drop out at 100 of one of those backyard ultras because 100 miles is like the ultimate goal for many ultra runners, you know? So do you have, uh, was there anything different you did in terms of like mental preparation to get ready to see that like huge daunting number on the watch and just keep running? Um, yeah, well, so I ran, let's see, three years ago, I ran in 2017, I ran desert Tulsa and I realized as I was running that race that, uh, just taking it hour by hour was such a good mental strategy for me personally. So I definitely did that from the get-go in this one. Um, every time the clock changes to a new hour, I would just say, okay, new hour, make this is the best hour you can. And if it was a bad hour, I'd just say, when the next one came, I'd say, okay, let's make this a better hour. And I just tried not to think about, you know, how am I going to, what's going to be like in 10 hours or, you know, in at my hour 22 or anything. I just really tried to focus on the hour. So I did that. And I also tried not to look up at you. Every time you run out across the timing mat, you, there's a um, like a TV screen with your splits and your lap time and where you are and everything in your mileage. And I tried not to look at that very often and just kind of just look at the track and zone out. And as long as I felt comfortable, like a sustained pace and not worry about it at all. And that definitely helped me too. That's just awesome insights. Kind of just kind of hear how you kind of deal with those mental battles and kind of uh, mm-hmm. push past those uh, those little shortcuts that our mind kind of plays tricks on us to hey take this out. You know, yeah. it's, it's a round number and whatnot. So uh, always. Oh yeah, good. when you're at like 19 hours, you change directions every four hours, so you're almost at the last turnaround, but you're not quite there. And if you if you let it get the best of you, you're like, oh my god, I still have to run five more hours, and you I. I can't like that, that will get me. And so that's why I'm like one hour at a time, just focus on her. It gets too overwhelming and intimidating. What was the battle like between you and Marissa out there? Obviously uh, you guys finished just three miles apart, but uh, it looked like from our tracking it through throughout the race, you were closing on her pretty good. Uh, what was that like in the final couple of miles there? And uh, do you think if you had another hour, would you have caught her? So <laughs> I didn't even know that I was close, like within three miles of her. I, and I also didn't know that um, another guy, Joe, was finished 0.03 tenths ahead of me. I didn't know I was closing in on them so much. Nobody told me. And I was, every time I ran by the screen, I just kept, it's so hard to find the data that all I saw was like my name and, and my lap pace or where I was or something. So I wasn't really looking at other people and um, and I should have paid more attention to that. And, um, so I didn't, I just wasn't really aware of it. If there was another hour, yes, I definitely think I could have passed her. Um, she was unfortunately having, um, a issue. She was leaning a lot. And I think she was basically staying out there because I was still out there and she was, didn't want to lose her first place position. I think if I wasn't out there 
you know, kept going, she probably would have stopped because she looked like she was in a fair bit of pain. Um, but we both encouraged each other as we ran by and I really liked running, um, with her and, and I'm, I mean, I'm proud of her for staying out there for, you know, those last couple hours and she looked like she was really struggling. Definitely. Yeah. Hopefully you get back there at that race and uh, take home the W. I did see that you're officially in for rim to river again next year. Uh, are you excited to kind of go back <laughs> I know, to that? I was like, I was like, uh, Brian, you want to come back? And I was like, okay, sure. <laughs> this time I'm definitely going to do uh, like actually train in the trails. <laughs> and I told him, I was like, I'm coming for sub 20. <laughs> okay, great. So um, yeah, no, I really, it's funny because as soon as I finished that race, he told me you have free entry next year. And I looked at him and was like, oh, no, definitely not. But you know how that goes where you finish and then like, oh, I can definitely run that better than I did before. So yeah, I, um, yeah, I'll, I'll go back for some more of that, uh, punishment and, you know, beat my body up with a few more falls, I guess. <laughs> Well, we cannot wait to see you out there. I know Cam has already got the uh, registration bookmarked on his uh, computer. I hope, I think I'm going to be there myself next year running the race. People uh, are going to run? I, I'm hoping to. I, I'm hoping January mm-hmm. 1st comes around and uh, I re- just pull the trigger on it. Yeah, I feel like, A, that's awesome. B, I feel like it's going to, especially now that it's a Western States qualifier, mm-hmm. like it is going to be so popular. You're going to have to... That, yeah, you're gonna have to set an alarm and then Yeah. You know. Oh, I might literally it. stay up until midnight. Oh, it opens at midnight? Uh I believe so, January first, yeah. Oh wow. Those the, I think that might literally be my New Year's Eve plans right now. <laughs> well, what, I mean, what else are you doing really? Like nobody's going anywhere, so Yeah. yeah. That, that's fair. <laughs> that seems, seems like a pretty solid New Year's Eve plan. Sounds like a, I, and it, that sounds like a good ultra runner to me. Is you stay up on New Year's and you register for a race. Start the new year off right, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, thank you so much, uh, Whitney, for joining us tonight. Uh, do you have any final thoughts for closing statements for Regenerate Nation? Final thoughts or closing statements? Um, I didn't fall on the track. Yay, go me. I was <laughs> like, oh my God, are you kidding me? Um, no, I don't. I, I guess, you know, you can, you can do both well, trail and flat, non-technical. So go for it. Definitely. Thank you so much. Thanks for asking me to join. That was fun. Oh, no doubt. This has been Mm -hmm. awesome. It's always great to kind of hear from you. And uh, we're going to keep our eye out for more of your epic adventures and just race that you continue to crush in the future. So uh, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Right now is to uh, like walk across the room on my poor feet. (laughs) (laughs) It's not very exciting in my house. (laughs) Well, we hope your recovery goes well. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us. Okay. See you later. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I mean, two desert solstice people and kind of just kind of mm-hmm. hearing how their race played out. Um, it was kind of like, I, I was down obviously at Hellgate, but I was always checking in with Mo and trying to like see, Oh yeah. How's everyone doing? And kind of uh, seeing all the updates there. Uh, Nick, do you have any uh, thoughts on um, Whitney's remarks and just stuff like that? Yeah, it was just super cool to see her, uh, see her kind of climb that leaderboard graphic that Jamil had on the live stream. You know, I, I think because Marissa was the only one that was up there, you know, in the mix with a lot of the guys for a while. And then, 
you started to see Bitter and Harvey and some of those guys kind of slow down and here came, here came Whitney. So it was cool. Definitely Cam. Yeah. Um, I think mostly I'm just, I'm, I'm really appreciating the way that she said, you know, you've got to treat a hundred miles like any other mile. And that advice of like, just take things hour by hour. I think everybody knows by now that OBU is definitely an A race for me this year. Um, along with Rinder River 100 and thinking of my 2021 plans, you know, obviously we might have to have a show just to talk about 2021 goals. Cause I'm sure everybody's got big goals for next year, especially the way everything went this year. But, you know, I gotta, I gotta start thinking like, how am I going to treat that 24th hour at hundred miles? Just like any other mile, just like any other hour next time I'm in Reese's backyard. That's a big move, Cam, calling, calling OBU a, a race with a uh, kind of short time here. It's coming up quick and you're still, uh, still ramping up, huh? Yeah, it's, I mean, let's just, let's just be honest about like what my goals are, you know, right. Um, I'm sure I'm going to see you there and we'll see what happens, you know, uh, whether or not it's your A race as well. Yeah, you know, I think it's only appropriate that you drop your prediction that you told <clears throat> me today on the show for the everyone uh, in Regeneration kind of uh, hear that you're, what your thoughts are between you and Nick's battle. Obviously, Regeneration kind of heard about in the last one how like their ultrasound scores are super close, but I want to hear like what Cam's thoughts are going into the race about Nick. Oh yeah, I definitely, um, I definitely had a pretty spicy take today out on the Mohican trails, and it was that um, my honest prediction was is that I would go 20 more miles than Nick would at OBU. And so maybe that was just a, a little bit of the stoke on how good I was feeling after like climbing up and over gorge and everything, you know, um, I'm still honestly kind of shocked at how good I feel after doing 21 at Mohican today. I've been in better shape and felt worse after running there, especially solo. So, you know, I don't know what Nick thinks of that prediction, but you know, Clearly, those are those were my thoughts today. Nick. Well, keep them keep them coming, Cam. Uh, you know, I think uh, just a week or two ago, it was you wanted to beat me, and now it's twenty miles farther. I think by the time we get to March, you're going to be a solid twenty four hours farther than me. <laughs> that's yeah. That's. I wonder what the spread would be on that. You know, what is what is the line going to be like if Return Nation could bet on this performance between you guys? Like, I wonder where they would uh, side. I think it's got to be pretty. It's got to be a toss up right now. But uh, Cam, if it's a you're moving the spread to 20, 20 miles there, uh, I'm definitely hammering the Nick side. I, I hope he, I hope he doesn't try and just hammer out those seventy five mile weeks week after week again. You know, I'm definitely watching. I'm watching his Strava and. I'm not going to say I'm going to match it, but uh, it's it's motivation, so I appreciate it. Well, I definitely think uh, that the good thing is I'm sleeping more than about five hours a night, and I'm no longer a graduate student. <laughs> it's definitely that might have played a small role in my recovery. Yeah, no, we're super excited to kind of see you two go at it uh, at Ohio's Backyard Ultra, and obviously everyone else will kind of be at that one too. Um, we just want to take a quick second here before we close out, and we may have a couple other topics here before we get out of here. Uh, show's been kind of moving along so far. can't believe it's already this time, but uh, if you haven't subscribed on YouTube already, uh, make sure you click that subscribe button for us. Uh, we're also on... Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and we have a Strava Club as well. So if you're on any of those, you can find us there 
Ridge Runners is our name on all of those. Uh, do you guys have any other final things, if any final topics you want to talk about on this Voss Talks? No, I don't. Um, just everybody make sure to let me know in the Strava comments, you know, how, how big should the spread be on Nick? I see he's been doing speed work uh, out there in Denver the, for the first time in what seems like as long as I've been following him on Strava. So, you know, everybody let me know what, uh, what the betting line is. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Uh, I, I, I used to, I, you're right, Cam. I used to, I used to throw more speed work in, but, uh, hasn't been, hasn't been too long for me. So, uh, we'll see, uh, really looking forward to OBU and, uh, hope everybody, uh, really gets after it this winter. I know it's a hard time to train for a lot of people, but just get out there and uh, maybe, maybe we'll, we'll cover some uh, winter training tips too on a future, future uh, show here. Yeah. I mean, it's your show, so you can kind of uh, call the shots and uh, <laughs> say whatever we want to talk about. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really uh, up to you there. Uh, no, I think our next episode, we want to do one before the new year to kind of get a goals video. Basically this would just be, you know, people can call in and talk about what are their 2021 goals? What, what do they want to accomplish? What are their A races? Kind of connect more generation members in that way and kind of just hear all that positivity. You know, the start of the year is a refreshing time for everyone. And so I know it'll be kind of awesome to kind of hear uh, everyone's goals. Do you guys have a quick goal you want to drop on us as a sneak peek uh, before we get out of here tonight? I think I already dropped mine. But, yeah, you just, know. Okay, yours is beat Nick, and I'm sure Nick is uh, beat Cam, right? No, no. Actually, I, I got a little. I got a whiteboard in my uh, in my bedroom, and I've already written out some goals. Cam, uh, sorry to say, you didn't make the list, but uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, no. Number one on that on that list is uh, actually I want to I want to try and run two thousand miles this year. So that'll be a uh, yearly PR for me. Um, I think it was. I don't know, wait, maybe way back in 2017 or 2017 or 18 now that I got really close. I was like 1950 or something like that. So yeah, that's, that's number one, just be, be consistent and, and train throughout the year. Based on, you know, from what I've known you on my guess, it would be 2017, you know, the promised land year, the Thunderbunny year, the probably. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, guys, that's Voss Talks. Thanks for uh, tuning in another one. We'll definitely uh, do another one of these. We'll keep you posted on when the next one is. Uh, we had uh, so many awesome callers on tonight's episode. So thank you so much for calling in. And uh, we'll see you guys next time on another episode of Voss Talks. See you guys. Generation, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Voss Talks. Remember, if you want to call into the show, check our social medias to find out when we're going to go live next. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We have a Strava club as well. Thank you so much. We'll see you guys next time. Yeah.